0: You're listening to The Tradey Show, Together in Trade Business, the podcast for trade business and contracting bosses like you and your partner who want to lead with confidence, make more profit, and create a better lifestyle. Are you ready to fast track your freedom and have some fun with your hosts, fellow trade business owners and husband and wife team, Andy and Angela Smith?
1: Hey guys, Andy here. Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to ask you a question. How are you going with your trade business right now? As you know, I talk to a lot of trade business owners and I continue to hear a few things. They're struggling to find and retain good stuff. They're wondering how to set up systems and structures and they're working way too many hours and they're actually feeling completely burnt out. Angela and I have been fixing these exact challenges since 2010 when we started Lifestyle Trading. And the one thing we know after all these years is if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. Listen, guys, 2023 is going to be very different from previous years. So why don't you future-proof your business today? Book in a free strategy session with me so that we can have a chat and work out the best steps for you and your business moving forward. Head to lifestyletradie.com.au to book in a time now. Look forward to chatting soon. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to The Tradey Show, Australia's number one trade business podcast.
0: Hell yeah! Hey there, tradies and partners. Today, Andy and I are joined by the king of pizza. I'd like to introduce you all to Tom Potter, founder of Eagle Boys Pizza. Welcome, Tom.
1: Morning, thank you. Mate, so great to have you uh, here today, buddy. I'm really looking forward to this episode.
0: Tom, you've got a resume that would impress most, founder of Eagle Boys Pizza, the best bloody pizza on the block. Can you walk us through your business journey?
2: Yeah, very briefly, um, started the business when I was 23 in uh, 1987, and it was an interesting period because there really wasn't much home-delivered pizza in the regional markets, and then as we grew throughout the regional markets, we then went into the cities and over the next 20 years, we opened about 280 stores across Australia and New mm. Zealand. Mm. And then after I think it was 21 years, I sold the business to a, um, a local Brisbane-based venture capital group with a management buyout, hoping that it would continue on its merry way because one of the things the company needed was more capital. And one of the great um, problems for me was as I was a 100% shareholder, the banks would always be standing there saying, yeah, but what if you get hit by a bus? Mm. So after selling, I retained about 20% and then I saw them bring in a CEO who basically changed everything, changed the entire model. Wow. And the company completely disintegrated over the following 10 years. So we went from number two in Australia to gone. Crazy. So Because that was nearly 14
1: years ago now. So uh, since went on there, and I'm I'm into a couple of other businesses, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, looking forward to talking about them as well. So in business, Tom, what are the issues with doing it the old way, or the way your previous boss did, or even just copying what similar businesses are doing around you? I know you're the king of spin, and you've always found a different way.
2: When we opened Eagle Boys, we were the first in the market, so you've always got this sort of smile on your face like Richard Branson carries because he's like, oh, look at me, I've got this new model and everybody wants to be me. Mm. I mean, what's nice about that is is it lasts for about as long as when your competitors catch up to you and then overtake you. So one of our most difficult periods initially was we were first in the market, we were best in the market. Then our competitors came in and they were just as good, if not better, and then they were cheaper. Mm. And then all of our guys said, hang on, everything we did yesterday worked, why isn't it working now? So we then became followers and then we became strugglers and then we had to reinvent ourselves. So one of my approaches after that is, look, guys, we have to continue to be leaders. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder, waiting for a competitor to come running past us and smack us around the ears again. I want to be the one that our competitors are scared of. They're going, what are these guys up to now? What are they doing next? What's more creative? What's a better way of doing business that they've actually found? When I went over to the US and studied, I, I did three years over there doing case studies. Some of the most fascinating case studies were based on guys that looked at a grungy, rusty old business that nobody really loved or cared about anymore. And they turned it into something that was quite amazing. And, you know, you'd look at them, one of them was a, a guy that was buying old railway lines, actual routes. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, how are you going to buy a railway line and change it? But, they looked at the way they freighted things, they looked at the way they delivered things, they looked at the way that the consumers wanted their delivery and that turned it into gold. Yeah, so huge. I think when you when you do look at business, you have to continually look at not just what's worked in the past, because a lot of that is is valuable, but what is it the consumer's going to want over the next couple of years that they're not
1: getting now? Yeah, exactly, mate. I 100% agree that you're always going to be at that forefront. I just want to touch on something that when you were presenting to us and our Lifestyle Trading members, you said something that really stuck with me and it was something on the words of in small business you eat what you kill and, and you have to go hunting every day, you know. Do you do things differently to grow or can you explain the thinking around this sentence?
2: Yeah, so we've just opened our new business up in Townsville, Galactic Donuts, and yes. we were doing... 10000 bucks a day when we opened, right? So everybody came in to try it. Mm. If you asked me what would have been the perfect way to open, I would have said I would have liked to sell $5,000 worth of donuts and had outstanding customer service and and been able to do everything perfectly right. Mm. And we had a couple of... problems with some of the equipment, which basically, it's a, it's a big deal because when you go in and you buy a filled donor, let's say it's a Nutella donor, you want about 30 grams of Nutella. And our machines weren't working properly. So some of our customers were getting home and going, shit, there's no Nutella in this. Now, we got customer complaints, we managed those. But I sat back after three weeks and said, you know, we really want to entice the customers back in the door. Anybody that might have been not so impressed with us or somebody that might have been um, put off with not getting exactly what they wanted. So instead of sitting back and, and doing nothing, you know, I've said to my partner, let's get out there this week and just offer, buy four donuts, get two free. Let's just run the whole thing Monday to Friday. Let's get the customers back in and impress the shit out of them. And then, you know, we'll run that for two weeks which is tactical, which gets people in and gets us trying us, it gets them liking us. And then you're getting up the following week and you go, now what are we going to do next week? So I think the big one is to literally put a post-it note on the back of the toilet door mm. and it says, what are you doing for the customer next week? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's constant. And when I spoke about that in the, um, at, at the conference, I took a leaf out of my father's book who would constantly be looking for ways to maintain his customers even though he sold his product at a much higher price. And his competitor, he was com- competing with Coca Cola, so that was a big job for him.
0: You can't ever rest on your laurels, right? As a business owner, you've got to constantly be creating and move forward, and think about your customers yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I know there a follow up on that. Your motto, and you mentioned it at the event as well. Don't be all things to all people, and be a zebra amongst horses. You know, how can we do that in our trade business?
2: Well. I'll just tell you one little story. I'm not sure if I mentioned it at the conference, but I went and spoke at a conference for Repco. Now, I always thought Repco was a business that sold car parts. Now, that was the first aha moment. Then I got there and realized there was 400 businesses that were basically mechanical workshops. Yeah. And they're very good mechanical workshops. They run off a good model. They've got um, good scale in them, but each and every one of them is individually owned. So I was playing golf with one of the young blokes uh, the next day and he got chatting to me and he asked me the same question. He said, you know, i pretty much do what everyone else does, servicing cars, changing oil, you know, all the stuff that boring as batshit. And he said, <laughs> what can I do? Um, and my question to him was, so when you've dealt with a customer, what do you do for them? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what have you done for the customer after the sale? Yeah. And his response was, Oh, we put a um, card on the front seat saying thank you. And I said, you might as well put a card on the front seat saying F you because no one cares. It's just a piece of paper. <laughs> so I said to him, what's the average customer spend? And it was a big number, like it was about $480 or something. And I said, when men come in to get their car service, put a six-pack of uh, crownies on the front seat and say thanks. Nice. Right? What's that cost? Probably 10 bucks.
1: Make sure they're cold. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And I said, with the women, put a pack of Cadbury's roses on the front seat mm. and just say thank you. Right. And uh, he came back to me six months later and he said, We've had an increase mainly with women by as much as 60%. Wow. Because the women, it was, they always feel intimidated when they take a car in to get it serviced. Mm. They don't feel comfortable because the the service guy stands there and gives them probably three minutes of gobbledygook they don't understand then they give them a bill and say piss off but then they get in the car and says thanks so much for coming in we appreciate your business here's a box of chocolates Mm. they go to all their girlfriends because they're having morning tea and they tell them you know i usually feel screwed by the mechanic but for some reason today i felt a little bit better because they gave me something and he said he'd had a huge upturn by just thinking about what he was doing after the transaction you know what are you doing for me after the transaction? And I always find that real estate agents who are the biggest assholes on earth in most cases mm. miss the point <laughs> because they've just made a fifty or eighty thousand dollar transaction. Yeah, where is my case of, of champagne or my carton of beer that says, "Hey, mate, thanks for doing business and leaving on the front doorstep"? You know, really, carton of beer, forty bucks. Because next time I go to sell a house, which would be another fifty or sixty grand in your pocket, mm. I'll come to you. Yeah. So they're the kind of things I think we just need to think about after the transaction? What are we doing for the customer after the sale?
0: Especially when you start thinking about trade businesses where coming back to use that service again, think plumbing, electrical, pest control, that kind of stuff is actually a given. So that trade will often come back into a house. So it is important that, I mean, I love this story about, you know, giving the female a box of chocolates because she will actually say, oh my God, these guys went over and above. They gave me a gift. Mm. And on the other side, even if it was like a trade company where you don't come back as frequently, I as a female will still brag about your service if you left me with a lasting wow moment. And it sounds so little, your sentence about just leaving this thing on the front of the chair, oh, but yeah. it actually, it's the lasting impression, right? We talk about repeat clients and loyalty and yeah. bragging to your I, mate. I'm just
1: I'm just thinking back about five years ago with Dr. Drip when we used to give them a, about a five cent bag of jelly beans and I was like you
0: freaking tired <laughs> asses that have
1: spent a thousand bucks with you and he gave them some jelly beans I had a you know? Dr. Fifth stress ball we, we had know? a stress a ball we a couple of things. things and I think Lasting the point impressions yeah the point is here you know in all business you've got to be the zebra amongst the horses and yeah. make sure you stand out do I know you've different. been amazing at doing this and I think in business you can't always do things by the book as well and in order to get yourself off the ground can you yeah. tell us uh, uh, perhaps a little bit of something that you've done that wasn't part of the, the typical story of setting a business up that really worked for you? For me, it's always about marketing.
2: It's always about having a look at your consumers mm. and actually getting in their psyche, right? I mean, stop thinking how you think and start mm. thinking how they think, mm. right? And I'll, I'll just go back to the donut business we opened in Townsville. It's on a corner location, but it's tucked away. And there is a massive fence that runs right across the corner location where I reckon there's 25,000 cars a day going past and it's Mm. blank. Mm. And I've looked at this fence and gone, I need a 10 meter sign on that fence, a 10 meter sign. (laughs) And it says Galactic Donuts with a big arrow. Mm. That's all we need, you know? Everyone loves a donut? (laughs) They do, but they'd love to know where they are. Agreed. And when you open up in Townsville and you're telling people you're on the radio and and you're doing social media, but people still go, where are you? Yeah, exactly. And if I know there's 20,000 cars going past that site, why aren't I telling them I'm here? I'm here. You know, that's all. I I didn't have to offer them anything retail. It's just like, here I am. Here's what I do. So I think that harps back on the old guerrilla marketing approach we used to do at Eagle Boys where you'd have a kid standing out on the side of the road dressed up in the eagle costume. Yes, I remember that. (laughs) But at four o'clock in the afternoon when the customers, the mums, the tradies, the kids were all going home. So they'd see you and we just forget people have to see you all the time to remember you. If you think you're going to go out there and put a magnet in the letterbox once a month, That might give you a response, but is it giving you enough response? So I I just like think we have to be constantly seen. If anybody out there hasn't got extensive sign writing done on their tradesmen's vehicles, telling people what they do, they're missing a mobile billboard opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I just I, want to point out, um, Dr. Drip, when we very first started, we had the main intersection on the northern beaches and yes. I, I knew um, one of my mate's mums lived on the corner and I put this huge Dr. Drip banner there and everyone would laugh at it and, and I'd put it up and, and um, I think I had it up for about three months before the council came knocking and another plumber had dobbed me in and said, you've got to get that thing down. But I had so many customers say that every afternoon they'd see it. So very similar.
0: I like the simplicity mm. of that because... I agree with what you just said, Tom. People tend to forget who you are and unless you're putting something really obvious that's really simple in front of their face consistently, they actually don't remember you.
2: Yeah. It's so easy to forget if something else has actually been shoved in your face and don't forget that 5,000 messages a day are being hit into the consumer's minds now. And I think... More like 8,000 a day by probably the end of this year because of what's happening on social media and digital marketing and everything else.
0: Mm. So, marketing in general, like a lot of tradies will say, Oh, this is just another thing that I just need to know really, really well. And some tradies do actually come unstuck in business because they think they actually have to be amazing at everything. They say, I need to be amazing in customer service. I need to know how to sell. I need to be really marketing savvy. Uh, I need to be financial gurus, uh, not to mention amazing tradies and business leaders.
1: Yeah, that's right, Ange. I mean, it makes you wonder, isn't it? We have to be everything and the kitchen sink. And so many people are saying to me, I wear so many hats. But Tom, in your opinion, should we be good at everything or simply stick to what we're best at?
2: So what I like to do is I like to draw a circle. And inside the circle, there's a bunch of things. It says bookkeeping, staff management, HR, customer service, marketing, and so forth, right? These are all the things we have to do to run our business. But then what I'll do is I grab a red marker and I go, what are the two or three things that will sustain the business successfully? And I can tell you now, one of them won't be bookkeeping. Right? So you grab your marker and you go, that one there and that one there are the ones I need to focus on. Now, if somebody's got a highly established business and they're literally struggling to keep up with their customer base, it may not be extensive marketing. It may be mm-hmm. post-sale marketing to continue to look after the existing customers and have them do the word and mouth for them. But if it's a newer business that's struggling for new customers, it might be, you know what, we've got to focus on two things here. We've got to get our marketing right and we've got to make sure our customer service is spot on. And I literally say everything else on that chart, it doesn't matter. Yeah, It doesn't matter because that they will fix themselves. But if those two kernels, the things that will drive the business. And I think I said this when I met with you guys. Mm. Customers will want 10 things, but only two will matter. Two will drive the transaction. And sometimes you even have to sit down with a customer and go, look, we know you want this and we know you want that, but what are the two driving factors? And a lot of customers will say, look, I don't really care so much about this, this, and this, but that there, that's the number one priority for me. I need to get it done on time or I need to get it done within this price range or whatever. Right. Okay. I'm hearing you. I'll go away and I'll give you what you need.
1: Yes.
0: That comes back to me about knowing your market segment, right? Like knowing your avatar and seeing life through their eyes about what's important. And you've not only just talked about, you know, who that person is, but what's actually important to them specifically and actually delivering on that. And that is so critically important.
1: And I think you've got to know within yourself your strengths as well. And, you know, I know that if you look at most trades out there, there's probably two or three things that is your best money spinner. So, you know, as a business, we should be working on that. And they're the things the customers, they're more of the emergency stuff that can't wait. It's got to be done now and it's really important to get it done. So, yeah, it's about having a, a mixture and knowing what you need, but you're right. You've got to know what your customers want. And we're really big about retention and everything we do, it's all around retention. And a lot of people spend all their money on getting people in the door, but retention is one of the biggest things. Yeah, so I think that dialogue on
2: post-sale marketing is a big one.
1: Yep.
0: So I just want to change tact a little bit and just say that every generation literally gets disrupted and there are challenges that we have to face. So my point is what worked 10 years ago or on this digital age, what even worked maybe even two years ago won't work anymore. So Tom, how can we keep reinventing ourselves?
2: I was having some um, dialogue with someone the other day and I was talking about how I went down to speak at one of Australia's probably biggest franchise businesses in the 90s at their conference and it was fantastic because it was at the ballroom at uh, Crown Casino and everyone was rah, rah, rah and punching the air. Mm. And I walked off the stage and I thought, I wonder if these guys are going to be around in 10 years because the industry they're in really starting to look like it's going to be concerning and it was called uh, Blockbuster Video. Mm. Mm. Of course, 10 years later, the multi-billion dollar company that it was, was completely wiped out. Disruption at the moment is coming on quite a few fronts, and some of them are obviously technology, but don't get too bogged down on that. What I'm seeing is the tools to run your business, and these simple tools yeah. that a lot of people go, oh, Should I just don't want to deal with more technology? But I just had to um, master a new rostering system, a system called Deputy. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with it. we know yeah, it, of right. it. And uh, I thought, you know what? Well, I'll just master this bastard myself because mm. I want to learn it. And uh, it didn't take long, and it was a little frustrating, but holy shit, what a great system where you set your rosters and you press a button and and a text goes out to every one of the staff, you know, and you're sitting there thinking, God, the old-school way of doing this and sending out emails and hanging up rosters on the walls and so forth. So I think for those people that are a little bit uncomfortable, I'm I'm 58 with, oh, shit, I've got to put another tier of technology into my business. I would be saying you should fear not doing it because your competitor will be. And next thing you know, they'll be running right past you and you'll be going, shit, what have they done that I haven't?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I I think that in all trade businesses out there, there's times that we know we can be better, but we just can't be bothered or it's too hard or it's this or it's that. But getting the right structure in the business and the right systems is definitely the future. Now, I'm just going to change tactics that little bit. And I, I heard a story about you. You actually got robbed at gunpoint, just like in the movies tied up on the floor, you were laying there. I mean, how did you handle that? It's actually happened twice. In fact,
2: I've been in three-armed robberies. But when you say, how do you handle it? Nowadays, you've got all of these things in place for mental health management and stress management and everything else. We just didn't have any of those kind of things in those days. And I, I never gave it a second thought. It was more like, We've got to get up tomorrow morning and get the payroll done and get on with whatever we've got to do so can you give us a quick snapshot of the story what actually what happened? happened yeah yeah uh yeah i was walking out the back of the shop about around closing time and um it was actually a, an inside job we found later that it was one of the ex-employees and uh he bailed us up with a shotgun and took us back in the store and tied us up and then proceeded to open the safe and go and it, it turned out to be a horrible story later because there was a murder attached to it and everything else oh. Gosh. One of the other guys that was involved, he actually did get a a substantial amount of counselling. I got none none and never really thought twice about it. And there's been a whole lot of other circumstances in my life that I think were much more life-threatening than that. But I just think situations like that, my general opinion is I think a lot more people need to toughen up. The difference between those that actually succeed in business and those that don't are the ones that bite their bottom lip and get on with it. Yeah. And stop sitting back and going, oh, oh, well, it was me. This happened to me. Stop being a f-ing victim. <laughs> and, you know, just get on mm. with it.
1: That. I know a lot of tradies my- will, will be saying that out there. I know times are changing a little bit. But I can just remember, I think I heard you saying the headline was something like, Spider-Man, Rob's Eagle Boys. And it was like front page news or something. I mean, I spent a great PR for the business. Well, it was
2: it definitely it was definitely good exposure. I don't know if it was good PR, but those are the kind of things that you can turn into positives. And we certainly had um a massive incident happened some years later where we ran an advertising campaign advising the consumers that we were using Australian pineapple. Mm. Now you have to be very careful when you're advertising on emotion because emotion doesn't last long. And it unless it affects someone's pocket, in other words, it helps them out, they're not really that interested. And um When we ran this promotion, and we only ran it for six weeks, we did get a big uptake. A lot of customers, particularly in the regional areas, are saying, oh, shit, if we buy from Eagle Boys, we'll buy Australian pineapple, which was Mm -hmm. golden circle, versus imported. And we were sued by Pizza Hut in federal court for misleading and deceptive conduct. And we went to federal court. The case was passed over. Basically, the judge said, I think they have the right to continue to advertise their message. We think you're barking up the wrong tree, but feel free to run the case. And there was the opportunity. There is when we had 20 or 30 reporters come in, they're they're all over the story, it's um, little guy versus the big guy, and we took a great opportunity. If we had lost that case, we would have had a huge exposure. If we had won that case, we would have had huge exposure. It was absolutely no doubt if it was managed well.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. So I suppose what I'm pointing out here is
1: if there is a negative, there is a positive opportunity to come out of it. And that's the way you should always look at business. We all have negatives at times. What are we going to do to turn that around and be positive?
0: We'll use this opportunity for exposure so that any negative, Mm. as you say, becomes a positive in the marketplace, which is uh, putting yourself in front of the the consumer, which is what you want.
1: You definitely don't want negative of ripping off old greens (laughs) and on a current affair. We don't need that. But hey, mate, we play um, a game. It's rapid fire questions. I'm going to do three of them. You've got less than 30 seconds to answer them. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Great. So building up such a massive company, and don't underestimate how big this company was, you know, it takes serious hard work and dedication. And the thing that I see with most trade business owners are, like I was, absolute control freaks. So how do you personally learn to delegate and let go of control? Where I learned to
2: let go of control and delegate was to spend a lot more time employing the right people. Mm so i stopped employing the wrong people and fixing all of their mistakes and i employed the right people in the first place so if you've got the slightest inkling this person doesn't fit culturally or they don't have the right skill set or they're not really ready to be trained to the way you do business you're better off having no one than someone who's a complete screw-up so Employ quickly and sack even faster.
1: Mate, that's awesome. And I know that we talk a lot about, um, and you talked about this as well when, when you talked at Lifestyle Trading, but having the right structure and systems in place, then finding the right people to follow that can certainly take a lot of that control. And that's what we did in our business, Dr. Drip, as well. So what's the hardest thing you've ever learned in business?
2: I think the hardest thing I've ever learned in business is to forgive yourself for your mistakes. Yeah. And I actually um, got to spend a lot of time with Rupert Murdoch, CFO, when I was in the States, and Mm. he used to call Rupert the king of screw-ups. And I said, why? And he goes, Rupert makes a lot of errors, horrible errors. But he said, he just forgives himself and moves on. Mm. And he said, if he can do it, anyone can do it. So I think if you continue to forgive yourself for the mistakes that you make, but, you know, obviously take the lessons out of them, you'll do extremely well, but people get so bogged down with beating up on themselves that, oh, no, I stuffed it up two years ago, I'll never try it again. It's like, really? Come on, let's move on.
1: And I and I love putting business back to sport, and the best sports stars can make a million mistakes, but when they get it right, they win the game and take home the prize. So the third question, mate, is what is one piece of advice for all the trade business owners that are out there right now listening today?
2: Um, I just think that you find the one or two things that are going to help you drive your business in a successful manner and focus on them first. And don't be bogged down with all the little bullshit things and the items and the bookkeeping and everything else. Get focused on the stuff that matters. And that will fix a lot of the other stuff that's dragging you down.
1: That is awesome, buddy.
0: High return on investment tasks. I totally agree. Tom, that's been awesome having you on the show today. Thanks so much for being open book and sharing your business journey with us. What an eye-opening experience this has been.
1: Yeah, I second that, mate. You're an absolute superstar. Um, we've spent a bit of time with you now and it's always great. You're someone that's been there, done that. You're just like a tradie. You know, you'll, you'll throw a few swear words in here and there and you're a lad <laughs> and, and it was so good having you a part of our event and you were incredible. And I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on here and talking to our listeners today, mate.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me along. but. Congratulations to yourselves as well. I actually think that the model you've got, the way that you're structuring what you do and how you do it, is actually quite impressive and it's got good longevity. I see some cooperative models or franchise models or licensed models and I think, oh, they're shit and they're not going to last. I sort of looked at yours and gone, value for money and what the guys are getting. I think it is a a terrific model and um, it, it, it will continue to be sustained. And talking to the people in the room, they all said the same thing. So well done.
0: Thanks so much, Tom. I know trade business owners and their partners truthfully need a lot of help. Unfortunately, they've not taught a lot of business when it comes to TAFE. So uh, I really appreciate your
1: words. I think the big thing, mate, and you talked about this it's all about community and it's all about us all as one. And there's a lot of love in that room, and everyone wants to help each other out. And it's just such an, an amazing community. You know, having 200 of the best trade business owners in Australia in one room helping each other, it's just so powerful, mate. So thanks again. Yes, you were absolutely amazing. And thanks for those kind words at the end. No problem. All the best. Right Ange, I think I am hungry for pizza. What do you think?
0: I think I want a donut. Ooh, donuts. You're buying. Catch you later, guys. Subscribe to The Tradey Show, Together in Trade Business now. Wherever you get your favourite podcasts, rate and write us a review or check out the show notes at lifestyletradeycomau forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time, hell yeah.